the 4th of July sales on at Gap Factory and GapFactory.com. Almost everything is 50 to 70% off. Plus, take an extra 10% off. Doorbusters start at just $5. But hurry, the sale ends July 5th. Only at Gap Factory and GapFactory.com. Shop for the season with 50% off everything at Banana Republic Factory. Discover adventure-ready styles from effortless dresses to utility classics from $24.99. Find your nearest store or shop online. Only at Banana Republic Factory. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Welcome to Mission Evolution Radio Show with Gwilda Wiaka, bringing together today's leading experts to uncover ever-deepening spiritual truths and the latest scientific developments in support of the evolution of humankind. For more information on Mission Evolution Radio with Gwilda Wiaka, visit www.missionevolution.org. And now, here's the host of Mission Evolution, Miss Gwilda Wiaka. Welcome. I'm so glad you can join us on Mission Evolution, where we bring the latest knowledge from today's leading experts to support your evolutionary process. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. This hour, we'll consider redefining the boundaries of love. With so much thought, literature, and discussion dedicated to the subject of love, it's amazing how shallow our concept of it remains. When it comes down to it, love is the driving force behind all things. Yet we view it as something that has a beginning and an end. I will love you till death do us part. <laughs> More likely till divorce do us part. But does love end with death or divorce? If it does, was it ever really loved to begin with? What's the difference between the love that ends and that which drives the universe? With us this hour to discuss evolving our concepts of love is Matthew McKay. Matthew is a clinical psychologist, professor of psychology at the Wright Institute, co-founder of Haight-Ashbury Psychological Services, and founder of the Berkeley CBT Clinic and co-founder of the Bay Area Trauma Recovery. He has authored and co-authored more than 40 books, including his latest, Love in the Time of Impermanencies. His website, SeekingJordan.com. Matthew, thanks for joining us on Mission Evolution. It's my pleasure to be with you. This is a topic that is near and dear to, I think, everyone's heart and so misunderstood. What brought you to focus on love? Well, there are a couple of things. I mean, one is that I'm a clinical psychologist and I specialize in treating couples and I have for well over 40 years. And so I have witnessed the death of love, sadly, many times. And I've learned a lot about also what keeps love alive, what sustains it in the face of change, in the face of impermanence. So I've uh, gotten a lot of lessons from all of those people that I work with. The other thing that's affected me is uh, in terms of love and loss is um, the loss of my son 14 years ago. And 
realizing that the love between us could continue in the face of that enormous change and that we can love and continue to have relationships with those on the other side. So those are two things that have affected me deeply and made me want to really explore love and how to hold on to it. Um, I'll need you to speak up just a little bit so I can hear you better. That's okay. Um, so losing your son and you say love lasting after death, most people disconnect from love when they lose a loved one um, as part of the mourning process. Why is that? I think it's because for many of us, there's this belief that that, that soul is gone, that uh, that soul is no longer, no longer exists, no longer conscious, that the love and the relationship has disappeared. But nothing could be further from the truth. Uh, souls uh, who die and are in the afterlife uh, remain fully conscious, fully aware. Their love for us continues. They continue to watch over us. Often they will guide us if we listen. So the love and the relationship continues. And I have you know, discovered that uh, in my own life. And so that's one message that I would like people to understand that uh, just because someone has died doesn't mean that that relationship is over or that they cease to exist. They still are there. They still love us. We still love them. And we continue to have a relationship. So Matthew, you're scientific based. How did you, what evidence do you have that, that the souls do indeed remain uh, versus just ceasing to exist? Well, there's actually a lot of evidence that our souls are not, uh, are not dependent on our bodies. We know from near death experiences that consciousness can leave the body. Uh, we know, uh, for example, through the work of Ian Stevenson, the great researcher of the University of Virginia, that um, that there's very likely is reincarnation. That souls can move, you know, after death from one, one body and one life to another. Uh, we know from the work of uh, of uh, Michael Newton that who wrote uh, a book about um, all of his research uh, through hypnosis. Uh, for people being able to describe the afterlife, 7,000 people described under hypnosis the very same kinds of structures and experiences in the afterlife. So we have actually a lot of uh, evidence that souls survive, that there is an afterlife, and that the relationships continue between those who are living and those who are on the other side. So what, what made you um, connect? What made you believe that, that you could continue to stay in touch with your son? Well, you know, after his death, I, I searched for him. I, uh, it was, you know, finding him, you know, those, you know, anybody who loses someone that they love deeply, those are the questions. Does that soul still exist? And are they okay? And those are the questions that were burning for me. And, the, uh, and I, you know, worked with, uh, mediums. Uh, I, I engaged in something called in, in, induced after death communication that uses EMDR, eye movement desensitization reprocessing. It's a, a kind of therapy that is used for folks who have trauma. And I was able to make contact with Jordan in that way. Uh, I, I used hypnosis, past life and between life hypnosis, but what worked, worked best for me was learning to how to channel 
and after I learned how to channel Jordan, I could have conversations with him any time I wanted. And he, he's enriched my life with incredible amount of knowledge and support. So channeling for me was the prime means of, of, of really connecting with real conversation, real communication. And uh, have, I have since for the, for the last 14 years. So backing up just a little bit, would you mind defining love as we're going to be working with it here today? Yeah, um, I think love is made up of, of four things. That This is in terms of my observation of working with couples. Uh, I think it's, first of all, love is, uh, it's care. It's, it's actively caring about the well-being of whatever we love, whoever we love. Uh, and that's a very active process, and uh, it's it, it's it comes from a deep sense that the, that this, the well-being of this human matters to me. And uh, the second thing that we need uh, to have love, complete love, is knowledge. We have to see that person. We have to understand who they are. Uh, we have to see what they fear, what they need, uh, what. Uh, what they're all, you know, all of their, uh, understand their formative experiences, uh, their, their preferences, their aversions, their emotional pain, their worldview, everything. We need to know that person. We need to see them. And, you know, if we, if we love without knowledge, uh, it's projection. It's, we're making that person up. Uh, and it, in, in my view, is not, is not authentic love. Um, so care, knowledge. And the third element is compassion. And compassion is recognizing that what we love suffers. It has, that, that person struggles, they have pain. Um, and recognizing that pain. And so compassion is two things. One is seeing the pain, knowing it, uh, being aware of it, but also having a commitment to, to, to the well-being and, and care of that other person. And, and the final thing is uh, intention. And I think, what has become clearer and clearer to me is that is that love is not a feeling; it's action. Uh, love is doing, um, and so uh, we sometimes talk about you know falling out of love, that the feeling of love is gone, so forth. But the feeling is not love. The love, the feeling of love, comes and goes. What stays is the intention to act on love, to bring love into our daily behavior, and so intention is action and uh the intention is turning care knowledge and compassion into into something that we do so how does that differ okay all the religions of the world that i know of speak of love and you know jesus commandment love one another well that's lovely but what if we don't know each other what what there's there goes the knowledge what if we don't have any inside knowledge to understand what the other person is suffering without just imagining and then that's projection so how does it differ the 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 love that's been spoken about for eons that tends to drive the universe if you will and the love that you're talking about well the love that we talk about in terms of driving the universe is the love for the divine the love for all there is for the, for the, the core or central consciousness of the universe so and everything is connected through uh collective consciousness um, and and the love for that is is kind of an abstraction. It's um, 
it, it's caring for all without really knowing. And I, I, I appreciate what you're saying. Um, we can't really, you know, you know, so, you know, some, somebody who lives in, uh, you know, Pocatello, Idaho, uh, I don't know them. How could I, I could love them. I can only love them as that they're part of the, the human race, that they're, they're, they're part of all. Um, and, but again, that's an abstraction. The, the love between souls is one that requires knowledge. Uh, if you don't really know that person, you don't know what's going on for them, what's in, what they struggle with, what's inside of them. Um, we're, we just have kind of a, 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 an abstract love, not, not a love of action. So if we're, um, if we love someone, are we connecting with that universal flow from the unified field and then directing it specifically to an individual or are they related at all? I think the love of the individual is our doorway to the, the that larger lover and connectedness to everything. I don't think we go through connectedness to everything to that individual love. I, I think it works the other way around. It starts with a, a love built of the, the knowledge of this of this person, this human, uh, and the specific caring uh, and compassion that we have for them. And then through that, we arrive at the love of the larger universe. That makes sense because love is a frequency, right? And so if we're engaging that frequency on a one-on-one, on -on -one, then that gives us access to the frequency itself. That's that would be my view. Yes. Okay. Um, so, does love really end? Then it doesn't sound like it. Now, that's my understanding. It, well, let, let's put it this way: in a material world, uh, everything is impermanent, and and we have constant change. And uh, and our task here is to learn how to love in the face of impermanence, in the face of of change, of loss of pain uh and so uh and 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 we appear it it, it appears many times that we lose love we lose love through you know rejection through death uh through various changes that occur in relation somebody moves away um somebody loses interest in us and it appears that we lose love uh in fact on a on a spiritual level uh, once love is ignited between two souls it will continue and it continues in the afterlife uh and so uh, so we may appear to lose love here uh but in fact love continues uh once it's ignited it it is actually eternal but so that that goes with the frequency idea so by what you're saying we don't really lose love but we do disconnect from it we disconnect from it here and we disconnect from it because uh, it, it appears that the person has changed in some way or there's something about them that, we, that we, we've lost our desire to, to be with them or connect to them. Um, and But mostly what causes us to lose love is judgment, is, is actually um, organizing the world into good and bad. And... and and that's really, in my observations, what of the of the couples that I've observed losing love, is that is that what ha happened first is they began to have judgments about each other. Uh, uh, this was bad, and that's bad, and 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 when he or she does such and such, that's bad, uh, and and these judgments then harden and calcify, and they begin to crowd out 
love and they also crowd out and make more difficult enacting love. Remember we talked about love being intention, being able to act on care and knowledge and compassion. And judgment actually paralyzes it, paralyzes us, makes it very hard for us to act on love. So as, as judgment rises and this good, bad you know, ideas about the other person get stronger and, and, and harden, um, the ability to act on love diminishes. So, so both things start to operate uh, in the in the in the apparent loss of love. So it sounds it sounds like that the love you're talking about is very conditional and um, self-centered, like um, with an agenda. You you'll meet my needs, and if you don't, that's bad, and if you do, that's good. How, how does that differ from really connecting with love for another person? You know, that's a really good point you're raising. It, it in for many people, the the experience of love or what they think is love is is conditional. It's like as long as I feel love, then 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 I will act on love. As long as uh, I I need and desire you, I will act on love. Um, as long as I am attracted to you sexually, I I, I will I will consider myself in love. Uh, as long as I depend on you in some way, I, I, I'm calling that love. Well, none of those things are love. Um, and um, and we, can, we get confused about that. We think feelings are love. We think dependency is love. We think need is love. Well, we're taught by media and everything else that love is a commodity, yes, that we have to go out and seek and earn and, and be beautiful for whatever. I mean, isn't that conditioned into us? The, that idea that love is, is conditioned that, that that it's something that we can we can obtain and it's something we have we have to find and and win and and be deserving of in some way yes that's a that's a very unfortunate product of our culture but in fact love isn't any of those things love is is action love is behavior love is enacting care knowledge compassion uh, every day of our lives uh and so we we think that it's something that we just have but it's not something we have or possess it's something that we do and it's something we do at all these moments of choice every single day of our lives so it, i i guess that's that's the first thing that's so important is to kind of redefine love uh it's not something we possess and it's not something we feel it's something we do that's interesting. You, you have repeated several times now that love is something is an action. It's something that we do. We can't just be and love. No, it, you know because what is what is being in love? It, it, it's it's just a a, te a temporary state. It's like the the feelings of love come and go. I mean, I'm sure if you think about it, uh, even the people that you you know apparently love the most deeply in your life that feeling is there sometimes and it's not there sometimes uh, well we're gonna we're gonna have to pick up on doing on the other side of a commercial break um oh i'm sorry i lied we have more time than i thought so continue with that would you so we think it's you know it's a feeling and um and but it really if it was a feeling we know from our own experience that sense of love even the love of your children you know, there are, there are lots of times when you don't feel anything at all. It's it's like uh, the kids annoying and 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 it's uh, and it's creating problems and they're and they're they're having a fight and you, you don't feel love at that moment 
And if, if where, love, where does it go? Where does it go? It's just a feeling that that's the point. Love is not a feeling. Love is what do I do when I, when, you know, what do I do with my child? For example, let's take an example. A parent comes home from work. They've had a really bad day. They're anxious about their job. They're struggling. And their child has had a bad day too and, and needs a lot of attention and support. And we're going and, now we are going to have to pick up on that thought on the other side. So we'll talk about the where does love go when we get annoyed. But after a short break, Matthew and I will return very shortly. So don't go away. This is Mission Evolution, www.missionevolution.org. Accosted in her bed and abducted by the 4th of July sales on at Gap Factory and GapFactory.com. Almost everything is 50 to 70% off, plus take an extra 10% off. Doorbuster started just $5, but hurry, the sale ends July 5th only at Gap Factory and GapFactory.com. Shop for the season with 50% off everything at Banana Republic Factory. Discover adventure-ready styles from effortless dresses to utility classics from $24.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Aliens was the last thing Michelle expected, yet the fateful morning of her destined death changed everything. Lord Lan Ramos, Alpha King of Vidar, the monstrous befanged alien looming over her bed, was her destined mate come to save her from certain death. He is a telepathic mute shifter. Can Michelle accept him and his animal? Once on Lan's home planet, Michelle becomes increasingly psychic, revealing her as the fabled oracle of Vidar. As factions conspire to destroy them, will they overcome mounting threats? Will Michelle's growing gifts save them or ultimately destroy her? Don't miss this sci-fi shifter romance with charismatic and engaging characters. Get your copy today, The Oracle of Vidar, available on Amazon or kahiraodonnell.com. That's C-A-H-I-R-A-O-D-O-N-N-E-L-L.com. So I was watching the X-Zone TV channel last night when I was abducted by aliens and they kept repeating to me over and over again, simultv.com, simultv.com. What's simultv.com? That's what I asked them. They had it written on the side of their UFO. How do you spell that? UFO. No, I mean simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Right. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Interesting that you were abducted by aliens in a simultv.com UFO last night. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Now that you mention it, I remember now last night, I was awakened from a deep sleep. My great-grandmother was standing there. She said she'd come from the hereafter to tell me about Simultv.com. She even spelled it out for me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, Sonny Boy. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, Sonny Boy. Wow. Yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about Simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com.
Do you enjoy paranormal, sci-fi romance, yet find yourself tired of the same old themes and storylines? Then you won't want to miss Kahir O'Donnell's latest exciting release to taste you again. Alien Lord Kane McKean knew the moment that his destined mate was born. He watched from afar, waiting for her to grow from child to woman. However, before she was old enough, she was stolen from her home world by flesh pirates. Kane searched ten long years to find her held in a suspension chamber, a ten-year-old girl in a woman's body. He rescued her and swore to give her time to grow up, but with his very life depending upon winning her as a mate, has he waited too long? Get your copy today. To Taste You Again by Kahira O'Donnell is now available on Amazon or kahiraodonnell.com. Hello again. This is Mission Evolution, missionevolution.org. We're dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. With us this hour discussing the evolution of love is Matthew McKay. His website, seekingjordan.com. Matthew, we were talking about um, how love requires, you say that love requires doing, and um, that then we disconnect from love if the kids are irritating us or this or that. And I, I'm still a little bit confused on that because to me, what of a person that's, you know, on their deathbed, they can't he hear, they can't see, they can't respond, but they still love their people, um, you know, the ones that are surrounding the bed. So how does that add up with what you were telling me? Well, they're aware of love and they're aware that they have a relationship with all those people around them on the bed that has been built by love. It's been built by caring, knowing, um, and, and, and deep compassion. So the, the relationship has been built up by all of that behavior, all of that caring, compassion, and knowledge. And, and so, you know, at, at the moment, the person may be, you know, incapacitated, uh, but the, but the, but the relationship has been built on, on behavior, on, on acts of love. Um, and so I guess I'm, I'm suggesting that, uh, for the most part, love, love is behavior. It's, it's what we do. And uh, the example we were talking about a little bit ago was, you know, the, uh, a parent who's exhausted, who's, who's uh, themselves disturbed by a day at work and a child needs them for support. At that moment, the child is annoying them. The child is crying and the child is upset. They're not actually feeling love at that moment, but they can act on love in spite of their tiredness, in spite of their anxiety, in spite of whatever else is going on for them. And that's the, that's the, the task of love is how do you act on love in the face of pain, in the face of your own exhaustion, your own anxiety, your own hurt. Another example would be, you know, two partners who, you know, one makes some of the critical remark of the other and, and, and the, and the, and the, and that partner is now feeling hurt. They're feeling kind of rejected. Um, there's, there's maybe sadness or shame that they're experiencing and, and maybe even anger. And the question then is, and, and they're certainly not feeling love at that moment. So the question is how can they act on love in the face of that pain and distress? What, what would love have them do at that moment? Uh, so, so what you're talking about is, um, 
our emotions, our day-to-day life disconnects us from the flow of love. And we have to take action to re-engage it. Okay, that makes sense to me. Um, So let's change gears a little bit here. How much is our ability to love dependent on our self-love? Yeah, well, that's really very, very important question. And it, it becomes, it's a tremendous challenge to love someone else when you don't love yourself. It's like you're, it's like trying to, uh, it's almost like stepping into space without having any foundation underneath you. Um, and, uh, and really it goes back to something we were talking about a little earlier, which is the issue of judgments. What gets in the way of self love is, is judgments, judgments about ourselves. You know, this, this or that is bad about me. This is wrong. This is bad. This, I have to hide this or that. And so these judgments that we have about ourselves actually um, block our ability to see, appreciate, and love ourselves. That Does, means, don't those judgments drive us out of authenticity and therefore we aren't who we are to love in the first place? Oh, we end up hiding. And, mm-hmm. and, and so, that, so that those who want to love us can't really see important parts of us. They can't see our vulnerability. They can't see our, our pain. And, and we're hiding from these things that we think are okay, are bad about us and judging them and evaluating and afraid that those who, who might love us will evaluate and judge them as well. And so it, it ends up blocking both our love for ourselves, but it makes it hard for other people to know us at a way, at a level and in a way that they could love us too. Exactly. So it, it really gets in the way. And, and, and so the, it got, and it goes back to actually learning to observe yourself and just observe your experience without judgment. And so one of the things we try to teach people to do is to just, you know, it's a kind of a meditation where you just observe what's happening with you. You observe what's going on in your body. You observe uh, what emotions are showing up, what thoughts are showing up, um, and just observe your experience. And, and then notice when there's a judgment and, and let it go and just come back to the experience. Notice when there's a judgment, let it go, come back to the experience. So being able to observe without judging, with, with acceptance, that's really a very first and important step. The other thing is to know about our own pain, to face our own pain. You can't have compassion for yourself if you're not aware of your pain. And so to allow us to, to allow awareness of, you know, what hurts? What, what, what am I struggling with? What, what, where's my suffering? And if I can allow myself to see that, then I can start to build compassion. And, and, and a sense of appreciation that I am a human that struggles and suffers. So, so again, pushing past, um, pushing past judgment to actual awareness is really an important step for self-love. So one of the things that, again, as you're speaking, comes to my mind is most of us are so far conditioned out of self-awareness and self-love that taking those steps never enters their mind and they don't want to face the pain that involved in doing so to start out with. So once you find that you are in a situation where you're willing to go into that, willing to become self-aware, willing to become more authentic, but your partner is not, and there becomes more and more hurt as a result, what steps do you take then? Well, I think self-awareness is important and necessary for, for self-love. Now, if if self-awareness leads us to be authentic and to say things that our partner struggles with, uh, 
that's 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 something that then we work with with, with something I call inquiry. It's like okay, so my partner's having a reaction. They're in pain. There's something that that something's happened to them. Uh, so they've reacted to, to me and and what I've said and what I've done. And now my job is to actually find out more about what's happened to them and also to drop judgment. They're not bad. They're not wrong because they're in pain. They are just struggling. Let me understand what that pain is. And so we encourage a kind of interview process where I find out what has happened to my partner. What is their, what are their feelings? Where, what is their pain? What's going on? What is their need at this moment? And the inquiry process opens that up. Uh, so we get past whatever it is that hurt them, and we we learn about what actually is going on and validate that. So, failing all of that, how do we maintain love and also discern appropriate proximity if the person continues to be damaging to us? Well, if the person continues to be damaging to us, we have to set boundaries and, and limits to protect ourselves from uh, from pain, but also from destructive processes. So um, there's no, you can continue to love someone and have boundaries. Uh, you 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 might, for example, realize you can't live with that. This is a partner, but I, we can't live together because because it, it's it's toxic in some way. It's damaging. Um, but I can still love that person and actively care for them in ways as long as I hold on to that that necessary boundary. So yes, love sometimes requires us to, to get some distance from the beloved uh, in order to protect ourselves. But that doesn't stop love and it doesn't stop the intention to care for that person. I think that's such an important point because doesn't that just bring us right back to, okay, someone dies, we shut off our, our heart to them because it hurts too much to keep it open, thinking they're gone. Um, we go through a divorce, we shut off our heart to them because it didn't work out and therefore they're not meeting our needs. Um, but every time we do that, we're losing a part of ourselves to that, aren't we? We're losing the part of us that loves them. We, we've, we've, we've abandoned that part of us. Uh, and and yet that that love continues, even though we're not aware of it. Uh, and and we've just we've just shut that awareness off. So I, how, how can you I'm sorry to interrupt, but how can you tell like you're you're in the grieving process? You've gone through a divorce. Things just could not be reconciled and discerning a distant proximity was important. And at first, people tend to be angry and polarized and all those things that are part of divorce. How can we re-engage without making ourselves vulnerable? Um, and the same question would apply to how do we move through our process and re-engage with somebody that's crossed over? Yeah. So how do you how do you hold on to love when that person has rejected you in some way, or or died? Um, well, again, love is this really active process, and so the first thing we have to do is get past judgment. This good bad thing, you know, that person's bad. They've they've done something to me. They've they've hurt me. They've they they pushed me away. And and we have to kind of move past that to okay, um, they wanted to change the relationship. Uh, they needed to have a different kind of relationship with me. Um, and now the question is, can I hold on to caring for them? Can I continue to know them? Can I continue and understand them? Um, 
Can I continue to have some compassion for their pain and some intention to, um, to, to give, give something to them, some active form of love? And it might be just saying, I forgive you for, for, for what you've done and for, for hurting me. Or it might be, uh, I still care for you. If there are things that we can do to, to hold on to some kind of relationship together, I would like to do that. Um, doesn't, you know, I, I can let go of this marriage, but I, but I don't want to let go of you. And I'm going to continue to care for you and be there for you if you need me. Um, we, we, can, we can make commitments like that in the face of the hurt, in the face of the loss. So we're, we're talking about, like we were hoping to, uh, evolving the way we love. What do you see as being the result of being able to evolve the way we love to not shut down just because our agendas weren't met and we have to go a different direction? Yeah. So being able to love in the face of pain, in the face of the relationship being changing in a way that we had hoped it, it, it wouldn't, uh, that is the, the crux of, of this new era of love. Um, that we can hold on to love even though the relationship has changed, even though there's so much that's impermanent. Um, and, and the essence of love is those four things, knowing that person, caring for that person, having compassion for that person. We can still do all of that. We can still have all of that, even if the relationship has changed, because we're committed to loving. We're committed to loving in the face of whatever pain or disappointment or loss that we've experienced. So it sounds like a real balancing act, discerning proximity. It might be never speaking to the person again, but you can still love them and actively wish them well um, and still be connected with love, whether they can reciprocate or not. Is, is that pretty much what you're looking at? It doesn't matter at? whether they can reciprocate. Yeah, exactly. Love, love lives inside of us, and, and it's, it's something we decide to do. Isn't uh, that the, one of the most unfortunate misunderstanding is, is that we think of love as something that we get manipulate out of someone else. Um, and if it, if we can't get enough, if we don't, you know, then, well, there must be the wrong person off we go. Um, it's, it's a, it's a very unfortunate way that we look at it at this point, isn't it? Yeah. it is very unfortunate that it's something that we're going to get from somebody else, as opposed to something that we, that, that starts with us and it has to all everything to do with our behavior. And one of the things that I try to uh, teach our, our couples that I work with and people that are struggling with love is, is something called a morning intention uh, to, uh, you know, a little meditation and uh, breath focused meditation. And then there's a morning intention and the morning intention is to just look over your day, the kinds of things you're going to be doing, the people you're going to be talking to and engaging with. And, and, and you say to yourself, Today, at the moment of choice, I am love. Every Today, at the moment of choice, I am love. And the moment of choice is when you're upset, when you're feeling a strong emotion, when something is hurting you, when you have strong desire. These are all moments of choice that show up throughout our days in all of our different relationships. But today, at the moment of choice, I am love. So, we, so there's always a choice. Am I going to just act on that emotion or on that anger or on that sadness, uh, on the pain or on on the desire, or am I going to act on love and that, and to be aware of that choice all throughout the day. So that's one of the things we try to turn that intention into, into an active engagement and active behavior throughout the day. 
So when you do that, you're basically not playing the game. Somebody else gets polarized, gets triggered, and instead of jumping in there with your own damage, and pretty soon you guys are on opposite ends of the table, um, you're just staying neutral and, and channeling love into the situation. Then whatever they do is their choice, but you're not participating in the polarization. That's right. You're, and so today at the moment choice, for example, for that parent who's tired and exhausted and anxious, the child needs me today at that moment, even though I'm tired and anxious and upset, I am love. Did, you know, even though my partner has just said something that really hurt me and shamed me, today at the moment of choice, I am love. And so, so th those choices exist all throughout our days and every one of our relationships, and learning to recognize them, and that I have that choice whether to act on my emotion, my desire, and what have you, or on love, is is a crucial part of changing our trajectory from self-focus and concern for myself and what can I get from other people to what can I be? How can I be loved with others? I really love that concept. It takes a lot of reprogramming though, doesn't it? So every time you're stopping, you're not going into that neurological rut of uh, response from your history, but rather making a choice in the present time to be present with love. Absolutely. And, and that choice is recurring. It happens dozens of times a day. And, and and to notice that as it as it happens in real time and that I have that choice. Instead of being on automatic pilot, oh, I'm angry, boom, I, I start being aggressive and, and um, attacking. Or I'm sad, I'm just gonna withdraw. Instead of just acting on our emotions, acting on that intention to love in the face of those painful emotions. Matthew, do we have a lot of processing that we need to do in order to uh, go there? Because it's like, it seems to me like there's unprocessed grief, unprocessed anger. That's what's cropping up in us when we're triggered in the moment. So if we're going to stop and act on love, are we also confronted with the pain of our history? Yeah, I guess I would use the word, uh, instead of process, I would use the word acceptance. It, it's like to accept our experience, to accept what's happened. And, and accept the pain that's happened. And if we're not, if we haven't accepted that pain and accept, haven't accepted those experiences, uh, we're avoiding them. We're, we're pushing them away. So every time something triggers those painful emotions or experiences, we go into avoidance mode. And avoidance is is the almost the opposite of love. It's it's it, it's disconnection. Right. And, right. and love is connection. So, so yes, if we have not accepted some of the painful parts of our lives and our histories and our past and, our, and the painful emotions that show up for us at times that we don't have make room and allow them, and, we're, and, and as soon as they show up, we're, we're in avoidance mode, love really gets, gets shut out then. Right. So it's coming close to that time. I have to ask you, Matthew, what is your mission? Well, my mission is to teach, and that's what I am. I'm, I'm a teacher, and I teach in various ways through the books. And I'm a professor of psychology, and teach, and I teach by working with my clients to try to teach them ways to live and love that are effective. So, yeah, I'm a teacher. And again, we're real close to being out of time. But what's your vision if we all start engaging love versus triggers? Well, what will happen if we start acting on love instead of these emotional triggers uh, is that we're, first of all, we're going to live, in, you know, our environment is going to change. Uh, 
and and instead of an environment in which we're you know struggling and 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 pushing against people and or trying to get stuff from them, we're going to live in an environment of love um, because we can create that ourselves, regardless of what the other person is doing. We can create the environment of love and by that, our choices and actions. And that is a beautiful message that we're going to have to close on because unfortunately we are out of time. Matthew, thank you so much for coming on the show. My pleasure. Thank you. Our guest this hour has been Matthew McKay, a clinical psychologist, professor of psychology, and the author of over 40 books, including his latest, Love in the Time of Impermanencies. His website, SeekingGeorgia.com. This has been Mission Evolution with Gwilda Wiecka. For more information or to enjoy our past archived episodes, visit www.missionevolution.org. Please be sure to join us right here next time as this mission continues bringing information, resources, and support to a rapidly evolving world.